0: Connecting life and faith. This is Connections.
1: I was in Bible college and I had this dream that I was going to be in ministry. And about um, three years in, I was hit with a really dark depression. It kind of came out of nowhere. And I, I began to believe a lie that I no longer had a purpose. And I believed a lie too that Christians shouldn't get depressed. If we're really Christians, we should be filled with joy. And so in 2001, I had a suicide attempt. And by the grace of God, my husband just happened to come home from work unexpectedly in the middle of my attempt. And so I ended up in a psychiatric hospital for a week. And that was just the scariest experience of my life.
2: And the trauma didn't end there for today's guest. We're joined by Janita Pace. She is a licensed professional counselor as well as a pastor's wife today on Connections. She's going to share with us a little bit about her battles with depression and anxiety. She's also going to share with us how she got through to the other side and how she's using her own experience to help others. We're joined today by Janita Pace. She is a pastor's wife as well as a licensed professional counselor in the state of Minnesota. You're a licensed professional counselor, but leading up to you getting into this career field, life was uh, like a roller coaster. You've been through... A long list of things that many of us will never experience in our lifetime. Tell us a little bit about your story and where it starts. You know, I was in Bible college
1: and I had this dream that I was going to be in ministry. And about um, three years in, I was hit with a really dark depression. It kind of came out of nowhere, and i I began to believe a lie that I no longer had a purpose, and I believed a lie too that Christians shouldn't get depressed. If we're really Christians, we should be filled with joy. And so in 2001, I had a suicide attempt. And by the grace of God, my husband just happened to come home from work unexpectedly in the middle of my attempt. And so I ended up in a psychiatric hospital for a week, and that was just the scariest experience of my life. But during that time, I read Psalm 121 over and over, and just kept meditating on it. And when I got out of the hospital, a professor at our college reached out to me and there was a voicemail that said, Hey, Janita, I've just been thinking about you every day. And I just felt like I need to read Psalm 121 to you. And it was one of those moments where I just, I realized God hasn't left me. I I still, I still have a purpose. And and so my professor had his wife come and meet with me because she had had depression when they were on the mission field. And so she began mentoring me and about a month into our mentorship, um, she actually died suddenly. Wow. Yeah. And I was so angry with God and I thought, how could you take the one person that seems to understand me? And so I remember getting my shoes on and I'm crying and I, I went for a walk down to our mailbox. And when I got to the mailbox, I opened it and there was a letter that she'd sent, um, the day she died, the morning she died. And it just was a card that said, I just never want you to forget that God's going to use what you're going through. And so I held on to that and thought, okay, (laughs) um, I, okay, God, what does this mean? What does this look like? So that was the beginning of this journey. And it's been such an incredible path to walk painful, but, but now to see it all come together and to have it, you know, me bring meaning and purpose for other people. That's just the story of redemption in my life.
2: What was it that led to that bout of depression? Do you know now what was causing that?
1: I think that part of it was as my husband was already a pastor that time. I think part of it was the pressure that I felt to be perfect or to be, to have this image that I had it all together when I knew I didn't. And so pieces of me just felt like the constant message in my own mind that I wasn't good enough. And alongside that, I had a lot of change going on in my life, but I think I, a big part of it too was, um, I think it was physical. I, I think that a big part of it also had to do with just um, chemical imbalances. And so between all of those pieces, I think it became the perfect storm.
0: What was that like as, you know, quote, a pastor's wife, were there feelings of kind of failure, obviously feelings you shouldn't have had, but feelings of failure that shouldn't be happening to people like us?
1: It was absolutely the feeling of this. I'm failing. I am failing. And unfortunately the church we were at didn't understand mental illness. They didn't understand Mm. what it was like. And so one night they were going to send the elders over and we thought they were coming to pray for me. And instead they came to ask me kind of what sin was I committing that would create a situation where I wouldn't have the joy of the Lord. And that was just such a devastating blow because at that moment my husband and I really did feel alone that we were in this without support. And so I try to help pastors and churches understand and I think they I think it's growing in an understanding that you can go through a very dark depression and be very spiritually mature. Those don't have to be opposites. So, yeah, I felt I felt very alone and again I think it was the feeling of having to watch my husband care for me and spend time taking care of me that he couldn't spend then at the church made me feel like I I'm just dragging him down and I am not I'm not
2: being what I need to be to support my husband. Speaking of your husband, your husband also went through his own battles and his own struggles as well. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Well, I think part of it was I wanted him to keep it quiet for so long. And so he He really had, you know. Going back now, I I realized I should have, I should have encouraged him to get therapy as well, just to to walk him through it. And yeah, you know, in our marriage, even after you know I went through, um, I I got help and I began to get better. Um, Tim has been through three brain surgeries now and has faced his own struggles with his health, and so that's been a big piece of it too. Is walking through with, you know, just because I'm now a therapist and I have all these skills and tools doesn't mean that I don't still struggle with depression and anxiety. It just means that I found ways to work through it. And alongside of that is then working through what does it look like if I, if I become a widow very young and how do we navigate it when there's so many medical unknowns for him? And so it's really been a journey to balance having depression, anxiety, and really going through crisis. Cause I know a lot of people that I see and that I talk to who they are going through some really hard things while they're also trying to struggle with depression and anxiety, so it's very difficult.
2: What are some of the the healing steps that you've used to get through this constant battle?
1: Some of them include things like there's um in in the book it walks through different different tools that are are therapeutic. Um one of them and it sounds so basic, but for me it's mindfulness. It's staying in one day at a time one of the concepts in the book is to to handle your life as if you're in a in a novel or in a, in a book and you're just in this one page and you can't worry about what the future plot is going to be because you don't know but you do know the author and the author is is good and i think that's what's hard sometimes is when i'm going through things that don't feel good to trust that the author isn't looking to hurt me <laughs> you know that he really does love me and so part of that process then is me reminding myself, just stay in today. In the page that you're in right now, just stay in today. That's been really helpful for me.
0: Yeah, you mentioned like your church having a hard time and they didn't understand mental health. And I think that's pretty common for a lot of Christians, right? And so I appreciate your your book, the name of the book, the healing name of Jesus, like you're not discounting that Jesus has a role in all of this to play in helping us find healing.
1: Absolutely. I think the, the, I wrote the the layout of this book is really what I wish I would have had. I I pictured myself in 2001 and thought, what would I wanted? And I wanted a book that would help me grasp God even more because that's what I needed, but I didn't want it to be overwhelming So every day there's only a few pages of reading and there's always scripture involved in it because I feel like the more God comes to life around us, the more hope we have. If we feel disconnected from him, then I think that's where our hope gets cut off. So the more that I put this book together, actually, the more I grew in just seeing God around me. So many of the names are metaphors that God provided. And so now when I see physical reminders around me, it just it just keeps my focus on the fact that God loves me and God is not gone. He's in it. So my hope is that this book will help people that are in depression, and anxiety to feel closer and closer to him. Cause I really
2: think that's where their hope is going to come. A lot of people are just afraid to even admit or to talk about the fact that they have depression or anxiety because there's this stigma behind it. It's, you know, Yeah. No, just get over it. But what's great about you is you're starting a conversation and allowing those who don't understand to get a different perspective and to learn.
1: You know, absolutely. I think one of the most comforting stories to me is when Jesus gets anxious before he dies. And the fact that he showcases that anxiety isn't a sin, that there are things in our world that are scary And I think that's why don't be afraid is such a common phrase in the Bible, but instead of it having the tone of condemnation or sin, it's, it's the parent that comes in when the child's afraid and says, it's okay. Don't be afraid because we are going to get afraid. So I love that the Bible already has the posture of fear is normal and actually we can expect it to come. So I'm grateful that Jesus was so transparent in his fear. And it reminds me that it's not wrong to be afraid.
2: How can we as the church do a better job at listening and helping those who need it?
1: And so often I meet people who are trying to help, but they quote scripture to those that are hurting and suffering, or they try to use platitudes. But I really encourage people that there's just not enough listening happening in the world in general. And so I think oftentimes it's sitting with someone, listening to their story, being present and allowing them to process through it. And to remind them that just like Pat, she was such a great example for me. She just did practical things for me. She knew that some days I just struggled to get out of bed and would call and just say, Hey, you got this, or I'm here with you. How can I help you? There were so many times when she just listened to me, put my thoughts on the table and helped me sort them. But in a way where I was the one sorting and she was the one observing and listening. So my encouragement would definitely be for The church to train people to be listeners and to provide comfort and to ask how they can help people, ask the people who are suffering. And I definitely encourage pastors, and I know this is a scary move, but for leaders in the church to be transparent with their own struggles. A number of my clients are pastors. And when I ask them, you know, does your church know what you're going through? And they say, no, it would not be a good idea for me to share because I'm the leader. And so, how amazing would it be if. Pastors and elders were open and honest with their congregations about that struggle.
0: I'm a, I am used to be a pastor and I'm very, very transparent in all my preaching. Like often you joke about like, oh, the pastor's family's the number one source of sermon illustrations, right? But I'm my own number one source of illustrations. And it's funny after a while, like my elders were like, Mike, you you can't keep doing that. You need to quit telling people so openly about all your sins and struggles. And I'm like, no, like... <laughs> I'm transparent. They understand. And uh, number two, I'm never going to fall off a pedestal then. Cause they're not going to put me up there. Right. <laughs> they know I'm just like them. So.
1: Oh Mike, thank you for doing that. I think that's so brave. I think it's incredible how the heroes of our faith, God recorded and made public the major mistakes and the major sins that they committed. I mean, some of them probably wouldn't be welcome to be elders at our church because of their records. Right. Um, And so how, how beautiful that your story becomes God's story. And, and it's the story of look at what God can do in my life. And people so relate to that. I was scared as a counselor to put out my story because, you know, there's, there's the pressure of, you know, you're the counselor, you should know better, but I've had so many clients say, I'm coming to you because you have been through this. And mm-hmm. I'm trusting that I can be real with you because you, you've shared your story. So. But I understand, I, Mike, I really appreciate what you did because it, it can be intimidating and, and scary sometimes.
2: How about those who are afraid to do that and to be transparent and to share maybe stuff that's happened in the past that they still feel guilt for? Like You have an unbelievable story and we didn't get to half of it uh, from your past. How, how can we get past that and continue on and be transparent?
1: Yeah. You know, I think it starts with when you draw close to God and you fully understand how much he loves you, that Ephesians 2.10 says that you are a piece of art. And so when you go to an art gallery, you don't expect the art to actually do anything. You know, you go to see it because of the artist. And so first understanding your own value and understanding that there's nothing that can change that. And then I would say the second piece is to find people that you can be transparent with Knowing, like I experienced, the first people I tried, they were judgmental, unfortunately, but that didn't mean that everybody would be. And taking that second chance on someone who understands. And once you have that community, it's so powerful. One of the stories in the Bible that I talk about is when the four people lowered the paralytic before Jesus in the New Testament, and it took four people to do it. And so I think it's an illustration of the fact that we need multiple people to be supportive of us. So it does take risk, but it's so important to have that community
0: around you. So it's time to counsel me and give me advice. Okay, one thing I often do, um, not so much to other people except for my wife, and I do this to myself a lot, is I often try and put things in perspective. But what ends up happening then is our problem is tough, yeah. But look at these people; they're way worse, right? So we we can power through this and. You know, we don't have to let it drag us down. That's basically what I'm trying to do. Uh, but my wife tells me that is not helpful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is that not helpful? Is that not wise? How do I quit doing that if it's not?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, it's so it is so tempting to compare, you know, if you go back to the book analogy to compare the stories happening. The problem I found with anxiety is anxiety will always tell me what could happen to you because you've seen it around you. And that's actually true. Like it's anxiety is being true at the point that it's possible. But what's so powerful is that when you go back to the author of your story, he's not asking you to compare with others. He's asking you to stick with him. And one of the concepts in the book that has gotten me through that is when the Holy Spirit joins us and lives with us, he agrees to suffer with us. So when I'm hurting now, I can ask God, why are we... Why are we going through this? And knowing that the spirit has decided to take on all the pain with me. So I'm not praying to a God that's watching, but I'm actually praying to a God that's agreed to suffer too. And so it, it it does provide purpose and meaning in my life to think about that, that God isn't asking me to go through a story alone, that he's joined me in it. So, But I want to encourage people. That is such a natural reaction. And it's, it's a temporary comfort because at the end of the day, there's always the reality that whatever's happening around you... Could, it could happen to you. That's, that's always possible.
0: But Yeah. I, gr- I grew up as a funeral director's kid. So <laughs> I know every horrible situation that can happen to families. And that's where a lot of my anxiety comes from. Actually, it's very true.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm very curious after everything that you've been through, what made you want to become a counselor?
1: I started in a therapy program shortly after I finally got out of the hospital, and as I was in it, it's uh, the I started to notice that a lot of the techniques mirrored things that were in the Bible. They just didn't know it, and I got excited and thought, "Well, if if I could mirror these with the Bible, this would be so powerful for people. We could take, you know, psychological tools that secular psychologists have discovered and." add the scripture, this could be just incredible. So I mentioned to my therapist at the time who was not a believer that I think I want to be a therapist. And he said, Oh, Janina, that that's, you know, I know you feel that way now, (laughs) but you know, (laughs) just finished the program. But I went home and I thought about all of the people that God rose to do things. And they were, they tended to be the most unlikely candidates, you know? And so I thought, wow, if, if God really does this through me, then it will be very evident because I'm so weak that it's him doing it. And so that's been, I always go back to that, that there's no doubt in my mind that God is the one that's doing the work because I would not, I'm not capable in my own human
2: humanness. So tell us about your book, why you decided to put this together.
1: I went back to that time in my life and I thought I, want, I would love to create something that people could use that would be simple and basic that I wish I would have had when I was in the hospital. And I saw some of my clients, I, I found myself doing a lot of the same spiritual exercises with them. And I thought, wow, it'd be so great to have a book where I could give it to them and then they would have something that we could do it together and so that's kind of where it started. And then there is a group guide available now, and it's free. It, you can download it on the publisher's website or on my website so that people can actually do this together. And so because one of the things I wanted to see was churches being able to come up with ways that they could help people. And so now there's actually quite a few churches in the area here that, and I think I've I found a few in different parts of the country now that are also doing it, where they use the study guide as a group, meet together, and go through this together to build that community. So another vision I had was helping churches have a practical way that they could meet the needs of their people because I know it's been overwhelming for pastors.
0: Tell us where we can find the book and where we can find you online and stay up to date with what you're up to.
1: Yeah, so the book is available online, Amazon. It's also available at Barnes and Noble Target's website, and Walmart both have it as well. My website is three riversmn.com, all spelled out lowercase. And on my website, there's links to where you can also buy the book and there's the study guide where you can download it. And so like I said, the study guide's free to anyone that wants to use it. So I've it's been great to see people coming together and and walking through depression and anxiety with this tool. It's it's been so redemptive for me to watch.
2: Thank you so much for making time for us.
1: Oh, thank you for having me, Kalina Mike, and praying for your ministry as you as you do this. I think it's I think it's great to, to hear all that you're doing for those that are, are out there and trying to walk through this world.
0: Thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me. Thank, thank you. We you. appreciate
0: it.
2: And thank you so much for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.